Thank you, Tyler, for that song, and thank you all for singing it so beautifully and reverently. This spring, I had something uh, happen that uh, I had never had happen, and uh, for me anyway, I had a heifer that had twins, and I don't think I'd ever had twins before for my beef cattle. And so that was really kind of neat, and uh, Cindy called me and said, yeah, this, uh, there's two calves out here, and they had kind of gotten into some area where it was a little hard for them to get up, so I went home and to help with this situation and got there, and by that time they had kind of gotten up, and the heifer walked down out into the field. She had a heifer calf and a bull calf, and... The heifer kind of followed her out into the pasture, and the little bull calf went over, and he broke through the fence, uh, high tensile fence, and took off across the bean field. And for no older than he was, uh, I found out how old I was, trying to chase him down and get him back. And got him back in and got him back into the pen and tried to get him with the mother, and eventually he went to her and wanted a drink, and she decided... She didn't want him. She totally rejected him. She took to the little heifer, but she didn't want to have anything to do with this little bull calf. And I tried all kinds of things and eventually decided that she was going to hurt him if I didn't get him out of there because she would just go after him like he was somebody else's calf and not her own. She decided to reject him and that's just the way it was. And fortunately, you know, they make a thing called milk replacer and and uh, got a couple of grandsons. And I got him gone and eventually Caleb and Elliot took him and fed him and got him gone. He's still actually at their place. I need to get him home to my place, I guess. But anyway, and they named him Ferdinand and Ferdinand's doing all right, I guess. And I don't know if he struggles at all emotionally with his rejection. <laughs> I'd rather doubt it. And I thought about, you know, if you go to some countries like China, for instance, and as a matter of fact, just recently, I think there was a case where they decided this man was, that he couldn't say he wasn't married to his wife simply because she had had six daughters and no sons, and he wanted to reject her and all of them. And and that was something that had been going on in China for some time, especially during their time of one child only. I think they've relaxed that some. But often little girls were rejected because they wanted a son to carry on the name and so forth. But then I thought about even in our own country and much of the Western world, the fact of how many little babies are rejected every day through abortion. Completely rejected. I don't know if you've ever felt rejection or not. I would guess you probably have. You have probably been rejected at some time by someone. And it often hurts. And sometimes it shapes how people then respond to other people throughout life and even to God. And I was thinking of some people in the scriptures that were rejected. And I thought about Joseph. He was first of all rejected by his family. 
and sold off into Egypt. And so that rejection, I'm sure, was difficult. It's, 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 the scripture would bring out that he sounds like he cried and he, he pleaded for mercy that, that no, they rejected him and sent him off. And then eventually he was rejected by his, his boss, or maybe we might even say his, his master, his owner, the person that bought him. Eventually he was rejected there. And I thought about Hagar. She was, uh, had born a son for her master, if you will, and eventually was rejected by her Sarah, who had kind of been her I guess um, she was kind of a servant to Sarah as well. She was rejected by her and eventually rejected by um, her Lord, you might say. But if you look at that situation closely, you'll notice that God saw her rejection. And hang on to that piece right there. God saw that she had been rejected and he blessed her. And as a matter of fact, we are still living with the ramifications of her rejection and God blessing that in the Middle East today because there are those who are still fighting at each other because of a rejection that really was not fair. It was not her fault at all, but she was rejected. But God noticed. I'd like if you'd turn with me to Genesis chapter 29. And we're going to look at someone else who was rejected And not just once, but over and over again. In Genesis 29, at the beginning of the chapter there, you'll see where Jacob meets Rachel. And he, of course, feeds some sheep and so forth. And it says that he kissed Rachel and he lifted up his voice and wept. And he had found his family there. And eventually, and we're going to start reading that in verse 15, but that's, that's the backstory to this. He had traveled there to find a wife, basically. And Laban said unto Jacob in verse 15, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, or weak-eyed, and, uh, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, Stop and think about that a little bit. So Leah was the older daughter, and she's born and probably loved by her parents and so forth, and I'm, I'm sure she always was. And then here comes her younger sister along, and her younger sister is beautiful and well-favored and had all the, you know, the people's like, oh, what a beautiful daughter. And here Leah is not beautiful. And that had, to, that had to hurt early on, I suppose, depending on what people said. Well, let's go on. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel thy younger daughter. Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but as a few days for the love that he had for her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban uh, gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. 
And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpha his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me, or tricked me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her uh, week, and we will give thee um, this also for the service which thou hast uh, shalt serve me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah for a handmaid uh, to be her maid. And he went in unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw, again, notice, the Lord saw this. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, which means basically a son, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. She thought, Surely, now. He's going to love me. He won't reject me anymore because I've given him a son. And that was very important in this culture. He's going to have a son. Now he's going to love me. Well, she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. She's still hated. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon, which means to like hearing or to hear. She conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me or attached unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore she named him, uh, she, the name called him Levi, which means attached to. But it still, she was still rejected. She conceived again and bare a son and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And left off bearing or had no more children. It doesn't say in verse 30 after her fourth son. Now will my husband love me. Or now will he be attached to me. Or now will I find favor. She said she praised the Lord. She went to the right place for acceptance. After all those years of trying to get acceptance from her husband. And he never doesn't seem like he ever gave it to her. He continued to love her sister more. Now, fortunately, in our culture, we don't have um, this kind of... Now, we may someday, polygamy. It's, it's rare in this country. Um, but there are a lot of people who feel, a lot of men and women, who feel rejected because the person that they are married to has chosen to love someone else instead of them. That happens. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but we can, who you may have been rejected by, but we can be rejected by a lot of people, or at least think we are, and often we are. <clears throat> Maybe a parent, a child may deal with rejection for years because they feel like their parents just never accepted them, never loved them, didn't, didn't want them. 
You may feel rejected by siblings, that uh, there's some that just, you just didn't click with your family, and so you just, you feel rejected from your family. Or, as parents, you may feel rejected by a child. You know, often we hear about it the other way around, that, you know, children feel rejected by their parents, but sometimes parents feel rejected by their children because of something that happened or something that was said or who knows what it could be. Maybe it's a boss or a co-worker that you've tried to please and you tried and tried and just can't get anywhere with them. And so you just feel like you're being rejected. It could be the church. It could be that perhaps you feel rejected by your church or maybe a church you were a part of. Or maybe... <clears throat> excuse me, not the church as a whole, but maybe a member or two or three in the church that you just feel like they have nothing for you and they just reject you. Could be your spouse that somehow you feel rejected. Things just aren't clicking. It's just not working. And you feel rejected. Could be a neighbor. <clears throat> for you younger people that are in school, it could be a fellow student, someone who you maybe thought you were a friend to or you'd like to be a friend to, and yet they just, no, they just reject, they don't, they don't want you, they just, they push you away. Could be other youth in the youth group right here. Uh, for those of you, maybe could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you had or would like to have and it just doesn't work. Rejection has become a big thing on social media. People feel very rejected if they're not liked or if they're not accepted or they don't get whatever on social media. Social media has made rejection a thing that is uh, even worse, I think, than it was before. People who are rejected by people they don't know and, frankly, probably don't really care that much about, but yet they feel rejected by them, and so it hurts. It's like, what does it matter what that person thinks? You don't even know them hardly. Yeah, but, and so you feel that rejection. Well, how do we react to it when we are rejected? And sometimes when we are rejected, we tend to reject others because of that. Our reaction is to reject those maybe who we feel that from or maybe even other people. We put up walls because, well, I don't want to be rejected again. I don't want to feel that from someone else because rejection hurts. And so you put up this wall and say, well, I, so that I'm not rejected again, then I'm just, woo, I'm not going to have. And then how do the people on the other side of the wall feel? Rejected by you because suddenly they're wondering what's wrong. And it maybe has nothing to do with them, <clears throat> but you're rejecting them even just to protect yourself. And I should make this clear that sometimes we, people feel like maybe we reject them because we reject their views or their, um, their sin, their lifestyle. And we can reject untruth. We can reject lifestyles. We can reject sin without rejecting people. And somehow we need to keep that clear in our minds of how we treat people versus maybe what their ideas are, what their beliefs are, what their theology is, or how they live, or how they act. And yet there is a thing, I think, in our culture today that is 
that puts pressure on other people that if you don't accept me and everything I believe, then you're rejecting me. Well, you can't accept everybody and everything they believe. Not everyone's going to accept me and everything I believe. And that's okay. Uh, But I hope they don't just reject me as a person just because I'm a person. You see what I mean? And we can, we can be guilty of that. We don't want to do that. But something that often happens is we can become very bitter or angry at people and even harder to love and easier to reject. So we get rejected by someone or maybe a group of people. And so in our reaction, we become kind of a bitter person. And we're not very easy, it's not easy to be around us, and then other people kind of walk away from us. Well, now we're rejected even more, and so then we become even more bitter and more angry, and we, and it just, it's a snowball thing that works, and I've seen people's lives that, even that are older that have just went through this cycle throughout their life, and sometimes when you talk to them and you really get to the root of it, (coughs) they'll talk about their parents or a father or a sibling or something, and you realize that, yeah, they felt rejected way back then. And so they, their life kind of revolved around that rejection, and it's no wonder they've been rejected by other people because they're not an easy person to be with or to deal with or to talk to. So sometimes we really do need to just um, really take a close look at ourselves. And on the other hand, we can't just go about blaming ourselves when we're rejected as well. But we should take a close look at it and say, okay, did I do something here in this relationship that have caused people or this person to put up their hands and just push me away? Did I do something? Am I the problem? And again, that doesn't give us the excuse then to reject other people because of how they're acting. You see, this is a two-way street. So it comes back to us when someone is feeling that way. Okay, how am I going to treat this person who is acting out of their rejection and out of their frustrations with life? How am I going to treat them? But I do think sometimes we need to take a close look at ourselves. Another reaction often is just that we can tend to stop loving, and then it just makes us more vulnerable to it. But how should we react? And I'm going to mention a few things here, and then I want to look at someone who has felt more rejection than any of us here and what they did about it and where we really need to take our rejection. But God tells us we forgive. And sometimes that's not easy. And this isn't a message just on forgiveness, but it could be. Because if we've been rejected by someone, we need to forgive. And that will take care of the bitterness. Or at least certainly cut it back and help us move past that. And forgiveness is not a forget, okay? Sometimes you hear the phrase, we need to forgive and forget. And if we could choose to forget, we wouldn't have to forgive. I think that's why God did it that way. 
If you could just go into your mind and say, okay, this situation happened, and so I'm going to throw this switch, and it's going to be gone, and, and I'm ready to do it. Three, two, one. You never remember it again. Probably a lot of us would do some things like that, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd cut a lot of things out of our memory that we have to deal with. But God says, can't do that. But you can choose to forgive. And that's a choice. And it sometimes takes a long time, and sometimes we have to do it over and over and over. Another thing that I think can help us is, is when we maybe feel rejected, one of the ways to deal with that is to um, seek out other people and observe. And are, are there other people that maybe feel that way? And go and, and be a friend to them. Or reach out. Rather than looking inward and reaching inward, reach out and help others that maybe have felt that way. And then, like it was there in Genesis where it says that she praised the Lord. I believe we need to draw closer to God. The temptation is to blame God for our rejections and walk away from God. Leah could have easily said, God, this isn't fair. And maybe she did at points. I don't know. God, this isn't fair. You made Rachel beautiful. And you made me ugly. What's up with that? Why, that's not, that's not fair. And now I'm rejected because of it. And she, and, and she probably did deal with that. And so we can blame God for it or we can go, go to God and that's what I want to talk about. The gospel is there for rejection as well. Who was rejected first, God or man? It's God, wasn't it? He created man in his own image. He put them in the garden, and it was beautiful. I, I love fall, by the way. I love September's about... I, I, the only thing I don't like about September is I know what's coming. You know, it's a little bit like retirement. It's great, but you know what's coming next. Um, and September's a little that way. You know what's coming. It's going to get cold, and it's going to get snowy. And, and, and spring is wonderful because it's new life. But I love the, the weather in September. Matter of fact, <laughs> I'll tell you a little something about myself. I, I don't always, my brain doesn't always work like it ought to. But the other day I was thinking, you know what? I don't. I doubt very much I would, but if I lived to be as old as my mom, I got almost another 1,000 September days in my life. Wasn't that wonderful? Anyway, that was just kind of thrown in there for random. <clears throat> but the fact is, it's beautiful. And I, I kind of picture the Garden of Eden as being just beautiful, beautiful weather, beautiful temperature, whatever it was. It was just a beautiful place. Everything that they needed. And here comes a snake. And says, hey, you don't really believe what God said, do you? God was rejected right there. He had made everything wonderful. So maybe you're thinking in your life, I have treated so-and-so as I, I don't know what more I could do for this person. And yet they reject me. God's been there. 
God made it better for Adam and Eve than anything you've ever done for anyone. And they rejected him. God was rejected throughout history, over and over. He blessed people, and they would reject him. And he blessed people, and he would reject them. Turn in your Bibles to the New Testament. And while you're turning there, I'll just mention one verse that I won't have you turn to. You can turn to Matthew 13 right now. So God being rejected by mankind could have said, fine. You reject me, I'll reject you. You're on your own. I'm going to walk away from the earth and just let it happen as it happens, and you'll be sorry it did, and you'll all eventually die, and and that's the end of it. But no, he decided, he chose from the foundation of the world that Jesus would come and die so that we could have a relationship with him and not be rejected. Jesus then came to earth, and then he was accepted by everyone, right? No. Rejected and rejected and rejected. The Bible says, and starting in John, it says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Have you ever been rejected by family, siblings? Neither did his brethren believe in him. He was rejected by his own brothers, sisters. In Matthew chapter 13, We'll start reading at verse 53. It says, And it came to pass, and when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch as they were astonished and said, What hath this man, uh, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this Is not his mother Mary, and his brother James, and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. They were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He was rejected even of those people that he grew up and knew him and were close to him. He was rejected by his close friends. Think of Judas. Think of Peter who denied him. Think of the fact that the night when he needed them the most, they couldn't stay awake and pray with him. And it says they all fled. There were a few that followed behind a little bit, but they fled. They got out of there. The Bible says he came unto his own or his own people. And it says, his own received him not. They rejected him. Christ lived here on earth a life of rejection by most people. And he loved them. He was here to die for them. He was here to teach them. He was here to care for them. And yet they rejected him. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. If you're here this morning and you have been rejected or you're dealing with rejection or you're feeling that right now, 
I want you to just think about Jesus and what he went through. In Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And talking about Jesus here, it says, And he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. Now notice verse 3 especially. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Rejection brings sorrows. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison. And from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And verse 3 again, he was despised. And rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. How did God react to that? How did Jesus react to that? He forgave those who had done so much harm to him. Even on the cross there, he says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved us first, it says. That's why we love him. He gave himself for our sins. So I think it's good if we can talk to people here about our rejection. We can forgive. We can work through it. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is here for rejection as well. And so, let's take our rejection to him. He knows how it feels. He understands. And don't reject God because of your rejection. The last thing we want, the very last thing we would ever want, is to someday stand before him and hear him say, I never knew you. 
any rejection we face here will pale in comparison to actually being rejected by God at last because we have chosen to reject God and walk away from him here. We reject him first, and we need to accept him and his salvation and his gospel to heal even things like rejection. Because what we want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, for there will never be rejection again. Hebrews says, let your conversation be without covetousness. In other words, wanting what other people have. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Yes, man may reject us, but if we go to Jesus Christ... He will never leave us, nor forsake us, or reject us. He is our helper, because he knows he's been there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, please forgive us for the many times that we reject you. In our thoughts, our actions, how we treat others, whatever it might be, Lord. Help us, Lord, to love you and accept you and to bring our rejection and our sorrows to you, for you know and you care. Help us, Lord, to be forgiving people. Help us, Lord, not to reject others and to make them feel rejected and cause them harm. Help us, Lord, to be like you were. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here this morning that's dealing with this, that you would just somehow speak to their hearts and help them to know that you care and you love them and you will never reject them, no matter what we do, as long as they love you and they're open to your love and your salvation, Lord. Help them to feel that and to go to you in peace and understanding, knowing that you understand them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.